listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 46 of the Testudo Times Podcast, the We're Still Here Part 2 edition. Sorry that we have been off for a while. Life gets in the way, especially when a couple of the people on this side are getting very close to graduating from Maryland itself. I'm joined by two people today. One of them is graduating with me in a couple of weeks. Alex Kirshner, your editor-in-chief. Hi, Alex. It's been a while. It has been a while. How are you doing, Matt? I'm okay. After I've gotten over the disappointment of uh, playoff hockey and other right. things. Well, I'm still engrossed in that. You're, yeah. you're still engrossed in that, and I, I think it's probably wise that we don't talk about that and let, you know, for obvious reasons. Go Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah, I think everybody who knows you well already knows that. Uh, but I think they'll put that aside for the time being. And uh, Noah Niederhofer is also here. He hasn't been on in a while. Hi, Noah. How are you guys doing? I'm good. Uh, how about yourself? I'm doing well. Doing well. Uh, you know, it's it's starting to get to, to that, that great time at the end of the year where... Uh, it's the end of the year. Well, we're starting. We're starting to get into into the summer, and uh, a lot of a lot of teams are about to start their NCAA tournaments soon. Yes, we'll try to get to that later if we have time. But a lot of stuff has happened in the three weeks. These are just some housekeeping things I want to make mention of first. First of all, a couple weeks ago was the one year anniversary of when I took over this podcast, and it was such a big anniversary that I completely forgot about it. Oh well, uh, we've done a lot of shows in the interim. Thanks to Alex and uh, Pete, who we'll get to in a second for letting me do that last year and deciding that I'm still good enough as a host instead of the blabbermouth, running mouth man that I am to keep on with this show and thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And this podcast will still be going into the near and long-term future, hopefully with fewer hiatuses next time. We should also say a great thank you to Dave Tucker who stepped down as co-editor a couple of weeks ago as well. Dave has been with the site since 2008. To give you an idea of how long ago that was because I had to put this in perspective, Alex and I were just starting high school in 2008. Now we're both graduating college. And Dave has been there here at Testudo Times through the entire thing. So that's amazing. And uh, thank you to Dave for all that. He'll still be in the comments and he'll be on this podcast from time to time. I think he needs a Maryland sports detox after the last year. And uh, nobody would blame him. So thanks to Dave for everything he's done for the site. And thanks to everybody for having us with the transition. And Ryan is now the new co-editor. And he's going to be doing a lot next year, obviously, because Alex and I both won't be here. So congratulations to everybody there, as well as Pete Volk, who is now an eSports editor for SB Nation in another vertical. So I know he's incredibly happy. Hopefully we can have him back on the podcast at some point to talk about Maryland sports if he still remembers that Maryland has a football team. I would like to forget sometimes that they have a football team, but right now I'm celebrating that football team, as most Maryland fans are, because Alex, Maryland has become a recruiting juggernaut somehow overnight. With Josh Kando now committing, his recruiting story is a bit interesting, and you just wrote uh, a story that's up on the website about how he knew he was going to commit to Maryland but tried to pull the fake out on everybody. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and then about this player who is one of the top 20 recruits in the country and how he's now coming to Maryland and how this is amazing. Well, um, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, it's a really interesting story. Uh, Josh Kando decided... It's hard to say, I, I guess, exactly when he decided, but at least two weeks ago, um, <clears throat> he made the, the decision that he wanted to come to Maryland. Um, and as a couple of, of Maryland's other commits for 2017 have explained to me, 
and as a couple of reporters, you should, I should give credit to uh, Ahmed Gafir, who who writes for 24/7 Sports, who, who was on to this for a while. Um, it was it was a big tri- it was a big trick, uh, and they were all in on it. And I think the idea for them was uh, to kind of throw people for a loop and see how they would respond and and uh, maybe troll some other schools in the process. I enjoy they did. Maryland commits uh, doing that. That's awesome. Yeah, but Josh Kando, uh, he really liked Maryland. He liked DJ Durkin and Mike London, and he enjoyed his visit in March. And, uh, you know, his recruitment is not over, uh, and, and everyone else is still going to want him. So I think that's something worth worth considering. But uh, it's a big big get for Maryland. Their biggest get probably since Stephon Diggs. And depending on your view of defensive ends as a position and, and how they stack up, uh, related to receiver, it could be Maryland's most important commit, and even longer than that. Uh, I, I enjoy the trolling of other schools, particularly the Big Ten schools that he was thinking about, apparently. But after the Dwayne Haskins example, recruitments are still open until they sign on paper. I'm not gonna, we're not going to go through that again. But Alex, quickly, on this general recruiting scene, I remember on our last show, you were telling me to pump the brakes on the excitement about DJ Durkin and the future because he still hasn't played and coached a game yet at Maryland. But since then, they've gotten even better recruits to commit. They're right now 20th on the 24-7 rankings for next year. It's still a bit early because Western Michigan and Northwestern are ahead of them. I doubt that sticks. But right now, DJ Durkin is showing not only how good of a recruiter he is, but how attractive this school can potentially be for players like Kando, even if they're from here. You know, Maryland hasn't been keeping all of the best recruits in the state. Now they're starting to keep them, and you're starting to think, well, there's something building here that's incredibly exciting and not something we have seen for Maryland football in, God, 15 years? Uh, ever, really. I mean, it, because not that Maryland hasn't had better teams, but since the uh, recruiting industrial complex kind of took over, took hold. I love that term, by early, the way. Early 2000s. Yeah, it just came out. I think it's probably been said elsewhere, to be honest with you, because it's something. It's like Watergate. Like people just attach industrial complex to the end of things, like they do gate. But uh, it's it's a it's a tough comparison to make to say that Maryland's ever had anything quite like this since they started tracking these things the way they do. Um, Kando's great. I mean, some you know, there's differing views of him. Some people think he's merely a top 100 player. Some people think he's a top five player. Uh, and the overall consensus seems to be that he's about a top 20 player nationally. Um, he's hard to get, you know, he's not an easy guy to, to woo and, and Durkin was able to do it just in his first few months. So we will see how his recruitment goes from here, but it certainly seems likely that he'll play for Maryland and that'll be a big thing. And we'll see how that affects other recruits in the area, because as we know, a lot of his friends are Maryland players, some are IMG players as well. And everything with recruiting is interconnected and DJ Durkin knows how to work those relationships, Noah. And Having somebody like DJ Durkin as your head coach is pretty incredible when you consider not only as he's shown to be a pretty good coach, recruiting is such a hard thing to do. It is an art form, and not everybody's good at it. Randy Edsel showed that he wasn't particularly good at it, but DJ Durkin is, and what he's been able to do since he took over in December without actually having played a game is pretty amazing, and I don't remember being this optimistic about Maryland football, at least since I've been here. Well, I, I think that is is obviously a great point. The fact that he's been able to do this without a track record of success as a head coach, 
obviously he can point to a lot of success that he's had as as in you know working with defenses at Michigan at Stanford at Florida so I think he certainly has the track record to woo uh you know really great recruits and he has built a staff that knows how to recruit and I think when you put a lot of those people in the same room and you have a lot of enthusiasm for the program, I, I think the coaches are very enthusiastic about the program. And I think that that definitely is something that these kids can pick up on. And I think that it's something that they want to be a part of. I think that people want to be a part of something new and, and getting in on the ground floor of, of something and and potentially making that part of their legacy. I know Stefan Diggs came to Maryland because he wanted to do that. Ultimately, I don't think it worked out in the way that he had hoped, but I think that there is a better chance with the kids coming in to actually uh, to, to really build something. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with that, and I think we'll get to that in a second. Like Maryland's had some pretty good talent the last couple of years, and it's evident that it has been squandered, I'll make a comment on that in a little bit. One of the other things you know that happens in college sports when there's a new coach is a lot of transfers in and out. With Randy Edsel, there was a max exodus out. With DJ Durkin, there was only one player before Ahmed Atala who said he was going to leave, and now there's two uh, with Abner Logan, who was a former four-star recruit from Massachusetts. There was a lot expected of him, but he had major injury issues that derailed any chance of him getting a foothold into Maryland starting defense, and Alex, the long-term future for Maryland football is great at the moment, but the near-term future, there are still some question marks uh, on the roster this year, and now linebacker is a particular sore spot. Uh, Jermaine Carter is the only nailed-on starter at the moment. Logan figured to be a part of this defense, and now there's another big hole there, and uh, it's going to be tough to see if they could fix that this year, and I don't think they're going to be able to. It's hard to say how exactly it's going to work out just because – Maryland didn't show us a whole lot of different looks in spring practice and in the spring game, which they probably shouldn't, uh, about how they'll actually be when the season starts. Uh, I think Maryland's going to play a lot of nickel this year because that's something that DJ Durkin has traditionally done. Uh, He might find that it's harder to play nickel and be good at it when you're at Maryland than when you're at Michigan and you have Jordan Lewis and Jabril Peppers, who are two of the top five or ten defensive backs in the whole country. Uh, Maryland's not going to have that, but I think at the same time you're going to see a decent amount of nickel uh, so you only have two linebackers on the field in the first place when that happens. Um, typically, you only have three line- or two linebackers. You know, you could wind up uh, with a third. And uh, it, so it's not the same as when Maryland had a 3-4 defense and needed to put four backers on the field at all times and needed a lot more good players at that position, uh, and they had them. You know, if you remember back when they had Yannick, Kuja, Virgil, uh, Marcus Whitfield, uh, you know, Yannick Ngakwe coming up as a freshman, and some other guys, Cole Ferrand, L.A. Goria. I mean, they had a lot of linebackers. They don't, and I'm not sure they need them, and I'm not sure that it's going to be just because of their scheme. It's going to be the biggest loss in the world. But, yeah, they're very, very thin after Carter. Uh, Shane Cockerell, the converted quarterback, played next to him a lot on the first team in spring ball. Uh, We'll see if he's actually good enough to stick there during the season. Uh, There are a couple of other guys that they have uh, who have been on scholarship for a year or two now. Uh, I know Gus Little will be coming off a redshirt freshman year, uh, coming off his true freshman year when he redshirted as, as he goes into this season. So we'll see, but it's it, you're right. I mean, you basically summed it up. There's a ton of uncertainty, uh, even if Maryland doesn't need quite as many bodies at that position as it once did. So let's go on from that. Noah, the spring game was three weeks ago. Hard to believe. 
That's how it works with this podcast. Sometimes you lose track of time. Uh, was there anything from the spring game that you noticed that you want to mention and that stood out? Again, you don't see a lot in the spring game. It's kind of a glorified scrimmage that people are allowed to watch. Apparently, they can also outrate NHL playoff hockey games, but no matter. Uh, did you see anything from Maryland spring game you want to talk about? Uh, I mean, there, there wasn't a lot that I, I thought was incredibly, incredibly positive. So I'll, 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 I'll keep it brief. I'm, I'm a Southern guy. I'm, I was, I grew up in Georgia, and spring games are a huge deal uh, down there. Uh, you know, Alabama will, will have like ninety thousand people at the spring game. Uh, Maryland spring game didn't even draw enough people to warrant them to announce the attendance. I thought that that was a, a, a little strange. I I don't know if that's an indicator of uh, the enthusiasm that we see building around the program, just not translating to uh, to fans that want to see this product before it's actually out on the field. Um, the other thing that definitely I, I saw was the quarterback situation is not going to be drastically different in terms of, uh, I think, production. I think that the offense with Walt Bell, they're going to try to get the ball out of their hands quicker, which I think is better. However, we're still seeing a lot of inconsistency at the quarterback position, a lot of inaccuracy, and Maryland fans don't don't expect too much from the quarterback position is all I'll say. And that was that was really my two big takeaways from the spring game was uh, that there weren't a lot of people in attendance and that the quarterback position still looks pretty, pretty subpar. Alex, anything you want to add to that? No, nope, not really. Good points. Quarterback is still going to be sketchy, and there's a lot of uncertainty in a lot of positions. But oh, well, I was, Actually, oh. I should add, excuse me, that just because Maryland's quarterbacks were bad in the spring game, doesn't in and of itself mean really anything, but I think their quarterbacks will probably be bad because, well, they have been bad. Uh, unless magic happens and things change, and I would like some magic to happen, but such is the way it goes. Let's move on to a good day for Maryland football, which was uh, this weekend. Three Maryland players were drafted into the NFL, all on defense. Sean Davis went to Pittsburgh. I know Alex is enthused about that. Yannick Agakwe went to Jacksonville. I'm really enthused about that. I can't really tamp down my excitement is basically all I'm saying. And Quinn Jefferson went to Seattle where he's going to play with A.J. Francis, which is also really cool. Uh, each of these individual situations is different, but anytime Maryland alums get drafted into the NFL is great. And Sean Davis was the highest drafted Maryland player since Torrey Smith in five years. So that's pretty good. But it leads me to a bigger question, Alex. And I saw you in a debate on Twitter, as I think it was Saturday, and it also stemmed from a question that Dave Caldwell, the Jaguars GM, asked, and I laughed hysterically at this when my two worlds collided, is how did Maryland not win more games when he was asked about Yannick Ngakwe? So the question I think was brought to you, and we'll bring it up here again, how badly did Maryland squander some of the talent it had in the Randy Edsel era? Because we said that about Stefan Diggs, and now other people from the outside that aren't us are mentioning this too. So how much talent did Maryland actually squander in these last four years? I think a decent bit, but maybe not as much as people think. Uh, people forget that Maryland actually did a pretty good job developing a couple of players who didn't come as highly regarded recruits and then became guys that at least got looks uh, in the NFL. Uh, thinking of guys like Cujo Virgil, 
uh, like Matt Robinson, certainly like Darius Kilgo, who's now a Super Bowl champion and who was a pretty run-of-the-mill recruit when Maryland got him way back when. Uh, Andre Monroe, who was five foot eleven on ice skates and became the program's all-time sacks leader. So for every good player who wasn't, for every talented player who wasn't great at Maryland, and I think by that, really, what we're talking about is um, Sean Davis being a fifth-round pick, right. basically, and, and stuff, stuff Diggs on offense. Um, you know, they, they certainly had players who who didn't get the chance or for whatever reason didn't develop into being as good as they could have been while they were in college. Uh, but I think Maryland's biggest problem has just been overall um, having a lack of talent and and also the lack of coaching to overcome that lack of talent. I mean, it's not like Randy Edsel distinguished himself as a Kirk Ferentz type motivator of young men who got the most out of them. Uh, so it's hard to say, but they, they definitely had a few guys, uh, A.J. Hendy certainly being one of them, uh, Abner Logan, who we'll talk about, I'm sure, in a little bit, um, who just never really, for a, a variety of reasons, uh, even even four-star guys on defense became what they could have been. And, yeah, that's a shame. And that's something that, that to some degree, uh, falls on the coaching. But I think there's always four or five-star recruits that don't turn out the way you hope. That happens at every school. And maybe It, it does. I mean, five-star recruits are going to work out just about all the time. Uh, four-star guys are a little bit less clear, but, yeah. Um, it, it's very rare to see a five-star never become anything in college football because there are so few of them, so it's pretty tough to get those stars. It's true, but it's still a good day for Maryland football. But I, the comment that made me really think about this question was when Dave Caldwell said, how did Maryland not win more games with this guy, Yannick Ngakwe, who they just drafted? And I said, well, Yannick Ngakwe played one position, well, two positions. He played three, four outside linebacker until last year when he played as a 4-3 defensive end with his hand in the dirt. And he was good either way. But that's one player of 11, and Maryland had a lot of holes on the other 11, uh, 10 spots on defense, excuse me, and uh, it made me very, very uh, interested, and I started laughing a bit, saying, oh, here's how a way for my worlds to collide. Uh, Noah, do you think Maryland squandered a lot of talent during the Randy Edsel era, outside of, I guess, the obvious that we mentioned now with, I guess, the Ngakwe comments and people wondering how Stephon Diggs fell to the fifth round? Uh, I don't think that Maryland had a a ton of talent to begin with. I think that Alex made a really great point in that Maryland really developed some of these some of these guys more so they look a little bit more polished by the end. But at the end of the day, it's you know, the, the game plans were never well executed and if you have a great player on on defense and what we've seen is Maryland has many many of the players, you know, looking at you know, guys that that developed and, and turned into better players like, you know, Monroe and, you know, people like Ferran and, and Gurry that, that ended up being pretty pretty good players, uh, they're on the defensive side of the ball. And Maryland's offensive woes, and, and that's being generous, especially last year where, I mean, abysmal almost doesn't do it justice from the quarterback spot. You just simply can't overcome that kind of incompetency. No, you absolutely can't. And maybe that's why Maryland wasn't as good as everybody thought they were, Dave Caldwell. But you got one of Maryland's few good players. And to show you what was going on, I have never seen this much joy about a Maryland player going to a pro team than I've seen with, well, I saw it with Stefan Diggs to an extent, but I've not seen a Jaguars fan say a bad word about Yannick Ngakwe, which warms my heart, obviously as a diehard Jaguars fan and a soon-to-be alum of the University of Maryland who loves the football team and has covered the football team and 
knows how good Yannick Ngakwe will be. Hopefully all of these players succeed. Uh, Alex, quickly, I guess, are you expecting much from Sean Davis in the first year with the Steelers since you follow the Steelers much closely, or closely than I do? Yeah, the Steelers are interesting because they have, uh, despite having a pretty good record the last few years and being thought of as a pretty good defense, their past defense has really been pretty bad. So there's definitely a chance there uh, for playing time to come pretty quickly for him. As far as what he'll do, I mean, it depends on where he'll be. I mean, I know the thought is that he'll play safety. Uh, they have one safety who's pretty good, a free safety, Mike Mitchell. And they don't really have a strong safety. Uh, so, sure, I mean, it's possible that he could he could find himself on the field uh, as a rookie. The Steelers don't usually do that, though. Mike Tomlin doesn't like to do that. So my guess would be that he sits for a while. But you never know, given the uh, the scarcity of players they have back there. Yes, and as I said, Yannick Ngakwe, if you're going to be interested in following his progress in the pros, he'll play a lot of third down with the Jaguars in what's the so-called lightning package. He'll be a Leo, which is essentially a designated pass rusher. He'll mainly come in on pass rushing downs, like third and longs, because he's not great at stopping the run, as we have found out, but he'll get his fair share of sacks. And Jaguars fans are very excited about him coming down, and I am too, as somebody who's watched him play enough to know that he will be very, very good in what the Jaguars will have him do, and hopefully that means the Jaguars' defense will be a lot better than it has been in the past. And Quentin Jefferson and A.J. Francis are playing in Seattle, who has always had a very good defense. So that's enough for the football for now. We should get to basketball. There are a few things to mention, the first of which is that three, uh, four of this five starters from last year's basketball team have been invited to the NBA's scouting combine, which is May 11th through the 15th, and Melo Trimble was also invited. Now, he still has time to make his decision as to whether he's going to declare for the draft formally and hire an agent or not. Uh, he has until May 25th to make that decision. Alex, you know what the scouting combine is going to get a lot of information that was going to further help him make this decision. Uh, I don't think this has changed the paradigm yet, but the, the Mello Trimble decision continues to get more and more interesting, and him being invited to the scouting combine obviously I think adds a little bit of something extra to this mix. Uh, it does. It'll be interesting, too, to see where, uh, when, where, not only where, but when he makes the decision. Uh, I, I have it from somebody a few weeks ago, maybe actually a week and a half ago, uh, thinking that it's about a 60-40 chance he's gone. Um, so that's 60-40 is pretty close to 50-50 and also pretty close to 40-60 the other way. And I think it's really tough to still get a read on it. Uh, but he's been in College Park and kind of going through the motions. He's not allowed to work out with Maryland's team right now. Um, so he's kind of on his own, even as he's in the midst of everybody else. And it's a, it's a fascinating time to be to be Mellow Trimble, I'm sure. And the scouting combine comes before the NBA's draft lottery. Now, he's not a draft lottery pick, obviously. I don't think he is. But no. You, you see the rest of the order coming in. I, I haven't looked at it because there's a ton of trades that I don't understand because NBA trades are weird. But uh, is there anybody, I know we're not the biggest NBA fans in the world, but is there any team in that lower part of the first round that stands out to you in terms of, hey, maybe this will make sense? And maybe if he does well enough at the scouting comment, you can see a, a team in that 20 to 25, maybe 25 to 30 range starting to say, yeah, we'll target you. It's really, no, honestly, just because if, if you're not one of the best players in the draft, uh, and you're going to go further down, it's really hard to say, A, you, know, you don't even know the exact order yet, and B, you don't know exactly what teams' needs are going to be as the offseason gets a little bit closer. So I, as, as far as guessing a team, it's not something that I think is, is really worth it at this point. Okay, Noah, quickly, I don't think you've had a chance to talk about 
this on the podcast. What's your read on the situation is for all of us, I think it's still a coin flip whether he comes back or goes to the NBA, and I wouldn't begrudge him either way. Uh, but what, what's your read on the situation? I, I mean, my read on the situation is that he's doing everything that he should right now, and that is get more information. I think he needs to make the decision that's best for him, obviously, and if he thinks and gets information that means that he'll get maybe late first round, maybe early second, then, you know, I, I think he, he probably will leave, you know, if not. And if the the information that he gets back is that he's going to fall lower than maybe early second round, then then I think he probably comes back. So for me, I think he's, he's doing the right thing by obviously just trying to get as much information as possible. That's good. Good for him. And I would not begrudge him for that. And I don't begrudge him for that. Uh, four of the starters from last year's team have been invited to the scouting combine. Three of them, obviously, as we know, Jake Lamb and Diamond Stone and Robert Carter are already in the draft. Rashid Suleiman was not, and that's a bit sad. Uh, hopefully it works out for him, but that is the situation with Melo Trimble at the moment. Certainly here on Testudo Times, we'll keep you updated, and he has until May 25th, which is three weeks from Wednesday, to make his decision whether to formally declare for the draft or to come back to school for his junior year. Another interesting basketball note this is being recorded Monday tomorrow. Maryland basketball is on the Ellen Show. This is the first and last time this will ever happen. And uh, it is Jared Nickens and Jalen Brantley because of Running Man. And Running Man, of course, started because Matt Ellentuck wrote about it for Big Espiation. So congratulations, Matt Ellentuck. You are a star maker. And Alex, I think this is the first and last time we will ever have to watch the Ellen Show for this website. He's on mute. Noah, you can talk about this first. Uh, I mean, I've I've actually watched Ellen before uh, for a for a different job because I had to uh, kind of you know cut clips for uh, for a radio show. Uh, it's it's a fun show and uh, yeah, I it's it's uh, really interesting. I you know when when you think Maryland, I I don't know how many people could have possibly predicted that Maryland basketball anybody in Maryland, involved with Maryland basketball is going to be on Ellen, much less these two. <laughs> these two guys and resuscitating a dance craze from the 90s that everybody forgot. I don't know. It's a rare, rare situation. Uh, but I have to ask this question from the little bit of Ellen that I know for other reasons that you can believe whatever you want from that. Uh, Ellen normally gives out gifts on her show because she is filthy rich and she can do whatever she wants because she's amazing. And if Jalen Brantley and Jared Nickens get gifts from Ellen. Yeah, Maryland's compliance, compliance, compliance people are definitely on that before uh, before that would be I had to check because I was getting a little concerned. But Maryland has good compliance people. But it's the first thing I immediately thought of. It's like if they get gifts, uh, the Maryland compliance people are probably going to work overtime for that. I believe that's that appearance is tomorrow, which is Tuesday. We're recording this on Monday, as I said before. I don't know what channel it's on in D.C., but you can watch it if you want. I'll probably watch the clips on YouTube a bit later. That's just a fun little thing to go on uh, as the doldrums of the offseason in basketball and football continue to go on and on. But there is something else I want to talk about quickly, and it relates to Maryland in the Big Ten. Early on, before the Maryland primaries, which were a week ago, there was a public policy polling post that was released and they asked everything including does the chesapeake bay monster exist which i didn't even think was a question of worthy of polling but it was but one of the questions that they asked aside from whether joe flacco is an elite quarterback is should maryland have stayed in the acc 
And many of them said yes. I think the question was phrased, should Maryland have moved to the Big Ten? And most said no, but that's mincing words here a bit. Then you see the Big Ten announce, or it has been leaked, that Fox is paying $250 million a year for half of the Big Ten's TV rights. And then you think, no, Maryland definitely should have moved to the Big Ten because they're going to start making money hand over fist because of television, while the ACC is scrambling to get a conference network a la the Big Ten or the SEC network in place before that market and that boat sails. So, Alex, it's an insane amount of money, and that's just half of the TV deal. Uh, Maryland's not getting full Big Ten payments from TV for another four years, but even half of what they're going to be getting from this new TV deal, which starts next year, is going to be more than they were getting in the ACC. And every passing day, it looks pretty obvious why Maryland made the move if it wasn't already kind of blatantly obvious. Yeah, Maryland doesn't get all of its uh, Big Ten shares for a couple more years. I forget what year. 20, it might even be 2020. 2021 is the year, I think. Yeah, I believe that's correct. Um, so they don't get to completely dive into this pool of money just yet. But it's going to be a big thing for them, yeah, and especially because the balance of power really does seem to favor, obviously, the SEC being 1-1, but, but the Big Ten, too. Um, and it helps Maryland insofar as conferences uh, like the Big 12 and like the Pac-12 just don't make as much. And, and so you'll, you'll have more money than some of your peers in those leagues, which is nice. Uh, and it, it's a really good perch to be on for them as they put their budgets together for the next several years and, and realize that they've got some extra dollars in the bank that can go towards setting up recruiting infrastructure, facility upgrades, because you know they're going to need that because I'll be shocked if uh, if it doesn't cost them more than they said it would because that's how things tend to go with Cole Fieldhouse. Uh, so they're going to be they're going to be in a position to benefit from it. And eventually maybe bringing old sports back. Now that might not be for four or five, six years in the future, but you're going to be making money hand over fist and diving into a pile of gold Scrooge McDuck style. So I don't think it was a hard decision for Wallace Lowe. And he knew the TV deal was coming down the pike and that the Big Ten has some huge names, uh, particularly for football and also basketball as well, that sell on TV even as sports TV starts to dwindle a bit. Uh, Noah, there is a little bit of a bad side to this. That means Maryland games are on Fox, which is in some ways bad if you don't like listening to Skip Bayless, Colin Cowherd, or Clay Travis talk about Maryland sports. I don't know. Maybe that's a personal preference, but that means Gus Johnson's calling Maryland football and basketball games potentially in the future, which is good, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, look, Maryland, this was a decision that Maryland had to make. It, it, it's not a question of, you know, if, if Maryland could do it. Maryland cut a bunch of sports because they were running almost, I mean, closer to 100 million than, you know, than 50 million in the red. So this was a move that had to be made. Uh, the TV deal was, was obviously coming up and adding the Maryland, D.C., Northern Virginia market, along with Rutgers adding New Jersey and, and New York vastly increases the size of the deal so this was a decision that absolutely had to be made and and i i obviously i mean i i I wish there could have been more transparency i think is is my one big beef with the deal this this deal was got done in the middle of the night uh you know kind of behind friday and was announced on a monday or a tuesday well and maryland also violated numerous open meetings laws and things like that to make this happen but they 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 just kind of we're willing to do that. Right. 
And yeah. so mm -hmm. they were incredibly bold in doing that. As a as a journalist, I I, I don't like the fact that it was done done quickly without any kind of uh, public uh, input or transparency whatsoever. I can agree with that 100%, but sometimes you have to take a little bit of pain to make some gain, and there you go. And Maryland's definitely gaining quite a lot from this. One more point before we uh, wrap up the show, Alex, and it was an idea with ESPN that when the ACC was going through its new TV deal that they signed with Maryland still in the conference, they were flirting with Fox, and the idea was put out that some of the coaches in basketball, particularly Coach K and our own Gary Williams, were like, no, we have to be on ESPN for recruiting reasons. Now, I doubt that's the same paradigm in the Big Ten, but there are probably a few people in the conference who would like Maryland to be on ESPN because they still control the lion's share of college sports in this country, even as Fox is now going to get a piece of the Big Ten rights. Do you think that plays any role into what the uh, second half of the TV rights deal will be coming in. Aside from the ESPN's financial stake, do you think that most of these college coaches care what TV network they're on if the schools are making the money that they're going to be making? No, I don't think it matters much. I think that there will be, especially in the Big Ten, where you know the, the, there's a thought that the games will get on the primary channels wherever they are. Uh, I don't think it really matters. I mean, the Big Ten's games are going to be on Fox Sports on the network, and they'll be on Fox Sports 1. Uh it might stink a little bit for lower-level schools who already have deals with Fox, who might have their games pushed to, basically I think, Fox Sports 2. Or, yeah, basically the Big 12, but also maybe some Pac-12 um, who might have their games pushed to Fox Sports 2 or, or God forbid, web-only streaming. Uh, so it might be a kind of a raw deal for them. But for Maryland and for the schools that are involved in this negotiation with the Big Ten or who will be impacted by that negotiation, I don't think it matters much. Again, it's still half of the contract, so it is very conceivable that ESPN gets the other half, and I would assume that they do. The Big Ten is a yeah. very valuable property. And the reason why is there are no TV deals that come up until the next decade, like for five, six years. So ESPN, if you don't get in the front door, that's a lot of money that's walking out of it, even though they've needed to cost cut. And uh, as you know, as I know as a soccer fan, if Fox puts stuff on Fox Sports 2, you ain't seeing it. So no. sorry to the Big 12 and the Pac-12 for that. Uh, quickly, just want to note on the way out, both Maryland men's and women's lacrosse teams outright won the Big Ten again. And I know Alex wrote a piece that said Maryland has now won the most Big Ten conference titles in any sport since they came in a couple years ago, which is amazing. Though they haven't really set the world alight in football and basketball, they have in everything else pretty much, which is awesome. Well, they have in women's basketball for sure. Well, women's basketball, of course. I'm saying men's basketball and right. football, which is the two sports that most people care about. But when you have an amazing lacrosse team on both men's and women's. Uh, that happens, as I know, no one knows that very well. Uh, women's are women's is the women's team still undefeated? Women's team is undefeated. They finished the regular season undefeated for the second straight year and third time. In and Maryland men's team was unbeaten in April, as well as now the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament. This is a really good team, but as Maryland men's lacrosse fans know, it's national title or bust. Uh, we'll get to that on another show where we'll get a chance to talk more about the non-revs, hopefully, in the near future. But thank you all for listening to this podcast. It's great to be back with you, Alex. Uh, two weeks until graduation. Holy crap, this is actually happening. Yeah, that's what they say. That's what they say. Oh, it's going to be fun. SVP is our journalism school uh, grad commencement speaker, which is kind of cool. It's uh, Can I say it's better than Kevin Plank? Am I bad for saying that? 
I think it, I think he probably is a better speaker, but we'll see. We'll find out. We're going to find out, yes, in a couple of weeks. And we will make sure to report that back to you. And Noah, I don't know when you graduated. I feel bad for not knowing this, but uh, when did you 20, graduate? 20, it, was, it was 2014. Okay, so you've been out for a while. Who, was your, who were your commencement speakers? Uh, my commencement speaker was Andrew McCarran of USA 9. Uh, and the, was, I, believe was, I believe it was the governor was the 2014. Are you talking about the main commencement? Was, no, yeah, Martin. but I was going for both, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and actually tell you guys, I, I did not go to the main commencement. Um, I decided to spend that time with uh, my family who, who came into to town to, to see me, and uh, it was also, I think, partly because, you know, as a, as a Georgian, I, I don't have as much uh, connection to the, the governor of the state of Maryland. Oh, well, Kevin Plank has basically given this school enough money where we kind of both Alex and I, I guess have to feel obligated to go but I certainly do not have to feel obligated but I will probably go anyway I'm, I'm gonna go because my family's gonna want me to even though I would probably rather not go but that's neither here nor there but thank you again for listening we will be back in the near future probably to talk about the non-reds and if any news happens on the football or basketball front we'll make sure to get that to you thank you for listening thanks for sticking with us during this little hiatus but of course no terms